0: Thomas Jefferson said, People cannot be both ignorant and free. Help keep KPFT vibrant with your financial contribution. Visit KPFT.org to join securely online. This is commercial-free, listener-sponsored, Pacifica Radio, KPFT, Houston. Many companies will match gifts made to non organizations. A matching gift from your company will help KPFT preserve independent music, arts, news, and views for generations to enjoy. Participating in your company's matching gift program is as easy as one, two, three. Step one, make a gift to KPFT. Pledge today at kpft.org. Step two, contact your human resources office for eligibility requirements and to obtain a matching gift form. Many companies match the gifts of retirees, spouses, and surviving spouses. Step three, fill out the employee portion of the form completely. Send the form to KPFT, Attention Matching Gifts, 419, Love It, Houston, Texas, 77006. Your gift to KPFT could double if your company has a matching gift program. Help out your community radio station today. This is KPFT Houston i you
1: We're going to be demanding art, history, and culture for Hispanic Heritage Month from others because we've been delivering Latino art. History and culture for 21 years, and today on the radio program, we're going to bring you some amazing history as we tell you about an important conference. Talking about the walkouts, this was a big part of the Mexican American civil rights movement when students used their body to protest racism and discrimination. They're going to have to do that again. We will have two important speakers, Mario Compian and Dr. Aurelio Montemayor, and we're here because they're here. We're here because they took some chances. They fought for civil rights, and they survived, and they were successful. We'll be talking to them at the top of the show. And then in the second half, because we deliver poetry, literature all the time, poet Angie Trudel Vasquez, who will be sharing a, in light, always light, a collection of poems that she is releasing. She has an MFA. She's won several awards. We're happy to have her on the air and tomorrow night I hope you will join us as we convene a town hall for Latino art and culture it's at Talento Bilingue de Houston it's tomorrow August 21st at 6 30 p.m of course you know Talento Bilingue de Houston is at three thirty-three South Jensen it's at six thirty p.m and we're going to be talking about how we can unite to demand art history and culture because after the attack in El Paso When that terrorist manifesto revealed all the racism and hate towards our community that was in his heart and is being transmitted across social media and political speeches and mainstream media, it's clear that stereotypes are killing us. And art, literature, and history humanize us, so we've got to demand it. For this Hispanic Heritage Month from now on. And I'm going to kick it off with the latest excerpt from Cultural Capital. If you are on the Nuestra Palabra email list, you got this edition early today at 2. We just tweeted it out at NP Airwaves. And here is the excerpt. You can also find it at tonydiaz.net Tejano, Texas, Texas is powerful. El Paso strong, Houston strong, Tejano power. When Arizona banned our history and culture, Texans united to keep that racist law from spreading and joined a nationwide movement to support our Arizona familia. That discriminatory law was overturned in 2017. When it was clear that the Texas State Board of Education had ignored our history for decades, Texans united to change that. We worked together across the state to convince the Texas State Board of Education otherwise, whereas Arizona legislators had to be defeated in court because they weren't given up, Texas State Board of Education board members united across party lines, which was very unique, to support our history and culture in 2018. That means 10 Republicans and five Democrat Texas SBOE members united to endorse Mexican-American studies statewide. The lesson, dear listeners, is clear. We can't wait for anyone to help us. They won't. We must do things ourselves, and we're good at it. Additionally, once we gain momentum, others can't resist. And now we have to unite to face another crisis. Two weeks after the attack on our community in El Paso, we can't let the world regress to business as usual, which is what is happening. We can't let the world forget the suffering of our community. The El Paso terrorist manifesto reveals that the white supremacist was driven by hate, fueled by stereotypes that are present not just in Donald Trump's speeches, but in the media, social media, and because of that, people are comfortable with now saying these stereotypes out loud in the supermarket, at churches, everywhere. The silence is worse. It's also clear that indie media and also liberal cable networks, news stations, they too have overlooked our community. There are not enough narratives that tell the story about our contributions to American art to our art, to our culture. There's not enough of our stories out there to nullify all the negative stereotypes against us. Worse, because of this neglect, the media didn't have enough Latinos to talk about the attack on Mexican-Americans and Mexican nationals during this crisis. That is whack. That's messed up. Some outlets caught up a bit late, maybe a week and a half later, That is not good enough. The attack in El Paso makes it clear that stereotypes are killing us. Art, history, and culture humanize us. We must demand more art, history, and culture for and by our community. That was the mission of Nuestra Palabra when we began in 1998. That was the mission of the Libre Traficantes in 2012 when we defied the ban of Mexican-American studies in Arizona, that was what drove hundreds of thousands of us to unite to fight for Mexican-American studies across the state and across the Southwest. Now it is clear. We have to accelerate our work. All of us. Yes, I mean you. Together, we must ensure that the people of El Paso are supported and honored. We can't let that memory fade because I'm telling you, my opinion, it's already starting to fade, which is a travesty, and we must demand history, art, and culture for Hispanic Heritage Month and every month after that. We don't underestimate our community's power, but the rest of the world tries to downplay it. We are organizing a Latino Art Town Hall in Houston. For this, we're going to begin by calling media outlets to remind them that Hispanic Heritage Month is September 15th to October 15th, You should too. Which one? Anyone. What? Google it. Name a radio station, a TV station. Google them. Get a number. Call. Ask what they have planned for Hispanic Heritage Month. Take down whoever you spoke with's name and title. Then call the next outlet. Then call them back to remind them. There's a lot more we can do but we want to create a space to convene and commiserate. But we also want to give folks something to act on. And those acts build on each other. Obviously, no single act can change the world by itself. However, every act adds to the next act and more importantly, shows us the way to the next action until our road is clear and our victory is clear. Reading a novel by a Chicano writer might not create an obvious change right away, But reading many Latinx writers added up to overturning Arizona's ban of our history and culture. You remember that. Our youth reading was also scary enough to some Arizona legislators that they wanted to ban it. But we didn't let them. Riding the bus might not clearly change the world. But hundreds of us rode buses from Houston to Austin to demand that our history and culture be recognized. And it worked. Here in Houston, we are convening tomorrow. It's the 21st at Talento Building with Houston. And we're going to devise ways to take steps to make sure that there is plenty of art, history, and culture during Hispanic Heritage Month and beyond. We look forward to hearing what you are doing so we can unite to change the world again. I do want to let you know that I'll be hosting the event tomorrow. We're also going to have Poet Laureate Leslie Contreras Schwartz will be doing a group writing exercise. We've also got an art exhibit. This is kind of like crowdsourcing the old fashioned way with actual human beings in front of us. Rigo Miller, a fantastic artist, is setting up his work today. Tomorrow night, we, he'll have a huge canvas on stage. Another piece called Chicano, which is about six feet tall, in the lobby. Poet Johnny Torres will be to- throwing down community organizer, Rich Rodriguez, and you. I hope you will be there. And we're going to be reporting for duty. We are making a commitment to make sure that your voice is always heard. We want you to come in, give your ideas, and from now on, we will make sure that everyone knows about our history and culture. Now, right now, we're going to take a musical break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to be talking about a special conference commemorating... The Chicano walkouts, when people put their lives into motion and with their bodies exercise their right to freedom of speech, but also push the civil rights movement. And we got to remind you about that because we are in that moment ourselves. No one from the mainstream will suggest what we need to do. We've got to act on it ourselves. You're listening to Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say on the air. We're going to take a musical break. And we'll be back giving you living history. Stay tuned. You are tuning into Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Happy to give you the soundtrack to a revolution. Hey, this is Tony Diaz, Libro giving us those smooth sounds and delivering those 100,000 watts in expert, deft fashion is none other than the deaf cue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Bonjour. Como ça va? And so, hey, tell that us. That Santana. That
1: Santana? That was Santana, that yeah, was back dope, in
2: 1968, Mano. yeah. That was dope. And, hey, I hear you're going to have the Poet Laureate on yeah, like Jazz. Yeah, Leslie, she's confirmed. August Excellent. 31st, she's coming through. Boole Like Jazz. Go follow, go like, subscribe. You don't want to miss it. She's going to be reading some of her works. We're going to talk. We're going to chop it up. It's going to be a great time. You know what I mean? She's going to be on camera. We're going to be on camera. It's going to be good. Nice. Nice. And expanding the network. Appreciate Absolutely. That. All day, every day.
1: Appreciate that. And, Marlene, thank you so much for helping to put it together another great show.
3: Yes, and I'm back. I was out, but I am back. Great show so far, and I can't wait to hear our next guest.
2: <laughs>
1: and also appreciate getting people to to get ready to go to National Association Hispanic Journalists Conference. Yeah, which is
2: coming yeah. up.
1: A. And our our in one of our interns, uh, Maria's here. Maria's here. Yeah, Come with yeah.
0: us. Muy with
1: Very cool. Here. She's
2: I moved can't. into the next room. She already moved up. Oh no! Don't, don't see her moving, moving up. Here. I'm running the board and oh, on the air. That's, okay. That's, okay. That's, Listen. That's, do that's, not that's, diminish. <laughs> What my contribution to well, this, like, I, I'm running the board. I'm also keeping this all going and providing commentary. Well, but, Thank you very much, ladies now, and gentlemen. But now, Q, you just put a target on yourself. So she's going after that scene next. You come <laughs> on with it now. You know well, what I'm saying? I, I,
4: came, I'm, I came on the other
2: side. And also yeah, and the podcast. Yeah, a podcast. Yeah, you know, I and, uh, and shout like out a to little friendly robbery. Yes, I'm glad to see her
1: Leti. again Letty, great to see you Letty. Thank you so much for all the help that you've done Putting the show together, helping us out a great uh, Pledge drive last week because we hit our goal
5: uh, We did and um, actually I'm glad you mentioned that Because I was coming in here to go ahead and tell you The lovely people that donated Please Or, or the shout outs so we should say thank you
1: Dramatic pause.
5: Dramatic pause. So um, uh, Edward Castillo.
1: Yeah.
5: Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lorenzo Cano.
1: And Meno, meno. Oh, man, Appreciate Lorenzo. You, Lorenzo. Appreciate you, Lorenzo. And
5: then we the have uh, Maria Mendoza. Mi. Thank you, Maria. Also. Muchas
2: gracias. <laughs> Merci beaucoup. Uh, then we have. That's why she's sitting over here. <laughs> no, but still.
5: We have Luis and Gracias we have Luis. we have a Jerry.
2: Thank you Jerry. Thank you Jerry Louise.
5: And a Bradley, and then Thank we you, have Bradley. Oh Letty. Well, that was me. Merci beaucoup, Bradley. Thank you, Letty. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Wow, and we got folks that are not just working on the show but also donating. So yes. thank you both. Where else
5: can
2: you right. find
1: that? That's, commitment. Tell- that's commitment. That's, that's commitment. love. Yeah. And we right love right you there, back. Baby. We very love you both back very much. Of, Absolutely.
4: A lot of commitment there.
1: Well, and actually one of the I mean, we got stellar donors, Lorenzo Cano, of course, former assistant director of Mexican American Studies. I'm sure he taught a lot about our next topic. We're going to be talking about the National Chicano Student Walkout Conference, which will be taking place November 2019 in San Antonio, Texas. We are joined by telephone by Mario Compian and Dr. Aurelio Montemayor. Can Can you hear me, both?
5: Yeah. Yep. Clearly.
1: Un gusto y placer, honor tenerlos aquí en el aire con nosotros. Thank you so much for for calling in. Means a lot, and I, I am going to read your bios because I want everyone to understand. The the commitment that you've had, speaking of commitment to the community, Mario Compian currently works with immigrants in San Antonio as head of Academia America, a nonprofit he co-founded in 2008. He's worked for social justice all his adult life, building mechanisms to empower oppressed, marginalized communities. That's what's up. That's what everybody should dedicate their life to. He co-founded Mayo, the Mexican-American youth organization, which if you've been in any class with Cano, you know that came up. You have a Texas Raza Unida party. Man, this is like taking a Mexican American Studies class right now. Committee for Barrio Betterment, Mexican American Unity Council, and Centro Cultural Aztlan, Compián, ran path-breaking campaigns for San Antonio City Council in 1969 and 1971, which laid the foundation for single-member districts that dramatically increased Chicano representation on the council and transform san antonio politics he was raza unida party's candidate for governor in 1978 he was a master's degree in education policy studies from the university of wisconsin where he played a lead role in building the chicano studies program welcome to the airwaves señor gracias gracias tony uh, thank
6: you for having us on the show and we'll be uh Looking forward to having fun the next uh, 20 minutes talking about the Chicanismo and the Chicano movement and all of the changes we, we that need to take place.
1: Love it. Love it. We can't wait. And, of course, joining him via telephone, Dr. Aurelio Montemayor, again, another powerful activist and, and leader in his own right. Uh, he is IDRA's Senior Education Associate and Lead Trainer, currently serving as the Professional Development Team Leader for IDRA, He brings extensive experience in working with school personnel, parents, and students. His career in education spans over five decades and has included teaching at the high school, middle school, elementary school levels. Mr. Montemayor received a bachelor's degree in English and philosophy from St. Edward's University, Austin, and a master's degree in bilingual education from the Juarez Lincoln Center for the NEA Graduate School of Education in Ohio. He was co-founder of the first independent Chicano College, Colegio Jacinto Trevino. He believes in the power of community engagement for leadership development and effective education. He was the lead developer of IDRA's Family Leadership and Education Model, one sustained efforts of the leadership process with ARISE, a South Texas community organization where a new community education was formed that epitomizes the IdrA family leadership process. Thank you so much for all the work that you do and for joining us on the air today, Doctor Montemayor. También. Well,
5: thank you. Uh, you have issued to me a degree that I don't have. I already <laughs> have a master, so you can refer to me as Master if you wish.
1: <laughs> well, on the show we promote people, but I'll, I'll go back to Master. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us.
5: We're happy to do so.
1: And this is such an important conference i I know that right now you're also taking papers and um and, and taking solicitations for people to get involved as- part of the panelists. Can you tell folks a little bit about what to expect from this powerful conference
6: well the first thing we want to do today is uh, we want to honor the activists uh the the students at that time that as you said earlier in your show put their lives on the line so that others they they and others could have a a better chance in life, uh, improved living conditions, certainly have uh, more of a voice in the society, which is uh, uh, which needed at that time uh, voices from the outside to make it change, to force it to change. So we want to honor the students that were responsible for organizing the walkouts, for making them work, and for pressuring the system into responding to the needs of the Chicano community. The work was was astronomical in achievement. Uh, The walkout succeeded in transforming education in many communities in the state and even in the nation, transforming education at different levels like uh, the, the faculty ranks, the curriculum, and so on, so that we want to honor those individuals for all the great work that they did and for sacrificing so much for the rest of our community. Uh, secondly, we want the conference to, uh, we want to collect and archive the histories of the walkouts so that others, the coming generations, can learn about it and have a sense of history of who they are, who their ancestors were that created such change. And uh, so that, uh, in itself, will be a worthwhile uh, endeavor resolved from the conference archiving, collecting, archiving the histories. Uh, The walkout activists themselves we will be collecting oral history so at this time we're inviting anyone who is listening that took part in the walkouts to to connect with us we want to interview anyone who will be coming to the conference who had a part to play in those walkouts uh last uh we cannot overlook uh that the the mission that we set out—we, I say, uh, the activists. we were collectively part of what is known as the Chicano movement. That we want to uh, make sure that our future generations of Chicanos, Mexican Americans, have a better cracked life than we mm. did. And uh, we want to open up and keep uh, opportunities open in education and. Uh, all spheres, socially, uh, culture, culturally speaking, and, of course, uh, as uh, in a, in a tip of the hat to La rafa and Lyle in the political arena.
1: That That is powerful and so needed, and, and I think we should all appreciate and acknowledge it because we're talking about decades of work in activism and continuing that. Now, I think the other thing that we should dwell on for our listeners, too, is that people may think because these are powerful events that occurred decades ago, that it's all archived. We were giving a talk in uh, Victoria, here in Victoria, Texas, and there were folks, too, who said that they were involved in the walkouts, and they were alluding to the fact that that's not really archived. So exactly like you're saying, it's wonderful that you'll be archiving it live, but it's still necessary. We haven't archived it all, have we?
5: Yeah, one of the things that we know is that people of color, those of us Chicanos, if we don't write our own history, the other folks aren't going to. Mm. And one of the important things we see in this is that not only did people put their lives on, on, on the line, but students were realizing we had a racist system, their, their languages and culture was being erased, We were, 50 years ago, our kids were being pushed out of school and were cannon fodder in Vietnam. You know, there was all these things happening 50 years ago, and students and teachers protested. Uh, We need also to realize, though, that, first of all, that has to be documented, and that inspire current children and current people saying, what is going on right now? Mm. Our prisons are filled with, 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 with brown people. Our prisons are still receiving people that should be in college because mm. they, we're not seen as college material. There's still a racist system in place. Perhaps we have more brown people in positions of power, but at the same time, there are thousands and maybe millions of kids that are not receiving the education they deserve and they merit.
1: Potente. No, potente. And, and I think the, the, the shock that may come to some people is you're right. There's a few more. There might be some more raza in charge but a lot of the same issues. Uh, One quick example, we are going back to see how Mexican-American studies is doing. Uh, I've got one report, I need to confirm it. Houston Community College had offered 12 sections of Mexican-American studies, only two made. That means 10 did not have enough students to go on through the semester. Uh, I got one report, too, that only six high schools in Houston, Texas, are offering Mexican-American studies. But I also got a report that Bel Air High School was one of those schools that was going to implement it, but they didn't have enough students to make. And then, uh, you know, additionally, I'm hearing, and we got to confirm this, that there's grumblings that uh, colleges in the Valley will be eliminating mixed American studies because there's not enough majors. So I bring all that up because we cannot become complacent, and I love that you want to make it a mission to open the eyes of students to that activism. But also it looks like you mentioned you want to get them careers in academia. Tell us a little more about that.
5: Well, first of all, one of, We have several networks working very powerfully right now. The, the mass community of practice in the San Antonio area in the Valley, the teachers that are either trying to implement a mass curriculum, not just in high school but K-12 in the Valley, they know that if they don't start helping the kids understand this history when they're in K-12 education, they're not going to uh, sign up for the courses when they get to college. That challenge is mm-hmm. all over the state, and teachers are trying to, to see how they can encourage and and have students value before they get to college the importance of knowing our history and our culture but uh... academia has had a a, a good effort in terms of Chicano studies going on but it hasn't connected enough to to the k-12 population to the teachers because if you don't start preparing kids early on to see a possibility of why these courses are important it's hard when they get to be freshmen in college Mm. That's, that's a dilemma that's why conferences like this are, are have multiple purposes. As Mario was saying, we're going to have archives. There's, there's a, another project called a Mexican-American Institute of, of Chicano Civil Rights being established here in San Antonio. What comes out of this conference is going to be uh, grist for that mill, but also for the teachers that are teaching mass studies so that they, 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 they have some living examples of what happened 50 years ago. And the students saying, well, what
6: is the system like right now? What do we need to do right now? Uh, one other project that's, that's part of this effort, Tony, is that uh, 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 keeping in mind that we need to to, to uh, uh, direct our youth into the academic careers that matter. And this is that uh, we're planning as a, uh, at, at the uh, conference to to announce the initiation of a scholarship fund. Oh, excellent. Called, uh, the, uh, scholars, uh, uh, the Chicago Civil Rights Scholars Program, and we will have several scholars, scholarships to issue to kids in the high schools and the middle schools to uh, motivate them to to on to the higher education careers. And hopefully to, they become engaged as scholars of the Chicano Civil Rights Movement. Uh, we are already working on, on, on gathering the seed monies for that fund. And it's a very promising project, I think, again. Uh, looking in the long term, at the long term, uh, how do we develop uh, the the younger generation? How do we how do we encourage them to to go on to these careers that matter so much to our community? We need to keep replenishing the leadership in our, in our communities, not just at at, uh, at the community level that this organized or anything, but also at the intellectual level that is so critically important for us to have. We need. People uh, in our community, are, are among our ranks, that that uh, develop and formulate ideas, intellectual thought that, that gives direction to our lives and and our communities.
1: Love it, and, and I do want to add two things to that. So the um, the american Studies, uh, I'm sorry, the K through twelve Knox Mexican Studies Committee is talking to University of Houston Center for Mexican Studies to so having the next summit here. And I will add, structurally speaking, the um, you know, let, let, let's get something straight. I, I agree with everything you've said, and that's that's deep and profound. But I want to get basic too. In that, I when I was an undergraduate, I didn't want to take rhetorical analysis. Okay, it wasn't like I woke up and said, I can't wait to take rhetorical analysis. They made me, and those classes were full. No kid wakes up saying I want to take comp one or comp two, but they're all packed. I think we need institutional support, especially from these Hispanic serving schools. Uh,
5: but, yes, you're right. We need them to to give that kind of support, You're right on target.
1: No, gracias. Well, I tell you what. Can you kindly tell folks how they can submit some panel papers and get to hang out with uh, leaders like yourself and other other folks come November?
6: Yes, uh, we have a website. Uh, it's called Chicago History, Texas dot uh, org. And uh, the the whole information is on there about uh, how to submit proposals, uh, where to whom to submit the proposal for presentations, and then other information about the other conference, which is still uh, in progress, but there's basic information available on the website. Uh, there's a committee of, of four or five individuals that are reviewing papers, uh, papers panels, roundtables, and the like. So we invite anyone who is interested, who has uh, researched uh, the workouts, who or participated in them. They want to ha- have a panel, submit a proposal, and the chances are that they will be selected to, to, to uh, be part of that conference in that program. And we're accepting uh, both
5: people that want to present or people that have written papers that just want to submit papers. Uh, we have a parallel thing we've organized for K-12 children, students, wow. to develop art around the walkouts and we've we've got an invitation we're sending out to to the mass network of teachers but we we want to disseminate it even more broadly for for students with that invitation there's a a whole bunch of links where teachers can learn a little bit about the walkouts from what's online and then develop lessons and have the children develop art that we want to have at the conference itself as a way to have children understand what happened to interpret it but also to have children's art there. I think that's very, very important. Because if just what happens as we're remembering what happened fifty years ago, that's not nearly enough. In other <laughs> words, this conference has to <laughs> connect to children and, and students and people right now to to see if people did this fifty years ago, what do we need to do now?
1: I love it. I tell you what, if you can kindly if you can close us out there's some people listening that may have been only in the game only a good 20 or 25 years. I'm so impressed by the work that you've done, but ese ánimo to be in this uh, struggle for 50 years. Uh, close us out. What what makes you push yourself so hard for our community?
6: Well, in my case, uh, yeah, I, I, a long time ago, I, I made that commitment and I, I recall uh the uh, the first race for city council in San Antonio that I ran, uh, the the election night uh, where we had a, a victory party, as it was called, although we were not successful in the in the, uh, the race itself, but uh, I, I carried most of the West Side boxes uh, in in uh, the Chicano precincts, uh, West Side precincts, we have South Side precincts. I beat the incumbent mayor two to one. Wow. And then, uh, so I walked into to the the party, the victory party, and I got on top of a table. And the first thing I told the told the audience, "We won." Uh, and one promise I will make to you is that I will never sell out. Mm. I have worked I have worked on that promise the last fifty years, and I intend to keep working on it until the very last breath that I that I breathe. Uh, but uh, I I want to also uh, mention before we leave is that when we talk about the workouts, uh we we need to talk in terms of legacies. And that is what are some of the legacies of the workouts themselves. Well first of all, uh as much as we have talked about Chicago studies and Mexican American studies in this on this show, uh we need to recognize that the workouts were the catalyst and the force that drove the formation of the Chicago Studies programs
4: mm-hmm. across
6: the campuses in the nation. Uh, the, the East LA Blois, for example, uh, gave lives to the, to the uh, a retreat later in Santa Barbara, where the plan of Santa Barbara, Barbara was developed. That, that's the blueprint for the Chicano Studies programs, and that's one that's been used ever since to start, uh, to start Chicano Studies programs. So that a huge legacy of the workhouse is that alone. But we need to talk about all the leaders that came out of the movement and the workhouse and uh, in reading some accounts about the Los Angeles workouts, for example, we know a lot about Texas, but let me talk about this example in Los Angeles. In the retreats, the youth retreats that uh, preceded the, uh, the uh, walkouts, the blowouts in Los Angeles, uh, there, there were leadership conferences that were organized, uh, leadership development uh, retreats that were organized by, among others, uh, Sal Castro, who was the, that giant figure of the East LA blowouts, And among the participants were, let me read some names here, Uh, the future mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villarraigosa, uh, Supreme Court Justice, Associate Supreme Court Justice of California Supreme Court, Carlos Moreno, and then, of course, uh, a very uh, known uh, figure, filmmaker Moctezuma Esparza. Those were among the youth in those leadership development retreats in In Texas, we went through with uh, uh, we learned by doing. So we had impromptu uh, sessions and uh, leadership development, and out of those are some of the people who went on to lead the legislative programs, the legislators rather uh, lead the struggle at the state legislature to make sure that our needs, the needs of our community, were were, uh, came out in legislative programs. And those leaders are still there. They're still working at it. And that is the legacy that, that we cannot ignore. That is the legacy of the workouts and of the Chicano movement.
1: Potente. We want to thank you very much for, for joining us. We've had the pleasure of speaking with Mario Compián, Aurelio Montemayor, talking about Walkout, the National Chicano Student Walkout Conference, which will be in San Antonio at the University of Texas, San Antonio, downtown campus. November 20th and 23rd and we'll give you updates thank you so much for all that you do and for calling in thank,
6: thank you. you thank you Tony
1: un gusto and we're going to take a musical break we're going to bring in some poetry because that's what that's what we do we do that we give you deep thoughts dope music and potent poetry because it's nuestra palabra Latino writers having to say on the air no
4: sí. si en fantasía
1: get in adrenaline rush as
4: should be
0: am trying to wake up early so it's like
2: Thank
1: you so much for tuning in. You're experiencing nuestra palabra Latino writers heaven say on the air. We're joined by telephone by the poet Angie Trudel Vasquez. Angie are you there?
3: I'm here, Yes,
1: thank you so much for calling in. We're going to be talking about your collection of poems in light, always light, and we hope that you'll have a few ready to read for us I and, do. oh excellent, And we want to let folks know that you received your m f a in creative writing with a concentration in poetry from the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Your work has been published in Yellow Medicine Review, Raven Chronicles, Return to the Gathering, Place of the Waters, and Cloud Throat, among other journals and anthologies. She has a page and poems from her first two books on the Poetry Foundation's website and was a Ruth Lilly Fellow as an undergraduate at Drake University. She's got New Worth forthcoming in Red Ink International Journal of Indigenous Literature, Arts, and Humanities. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. So for this collection, tell us a little bit how long you were working on this collection. Are some of the pieces from your work in the MFA program?
3: Actually, this is half of my thesis. Um, Nice. So these poems, yes, um, I started these in July of 2015. I graduated in May of 2017 and this collection was accepted actually a year ago today by Finishing Line Press. I was a finalist, lucky number seven, Excellent. for the new Women's Voices series. And this represents um, a lot of the work I did as a MFA student at IAIA. That's awesome. So I'm super happy to be here with you today on the de Palabra and to read from this. And I was listening beforehand and listening to some old, um, radio shows and, and this fits directly into educating people about our history, how long we've been here, our contributions, our art, our, our customs. Uh, to me, this is a celebration for my family and myself um, uh, living in the United States.
1: Oh, that's so wonderful. That's so kind of you to say that. And I think we're familia already. <laughs> and and I do want to <laughs> I do want to recognize too. It's wonderful to get to see uh, writers. Take work from the from the m f a program and then put into the book, but also i I'd like to you to reflect on briefly, and I definitely want to get to the poems I'd like you to reflect on I think some writers who work 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 right 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 get frustrated when things don't happen and maybe take mm-hmm. long, but you just mentioned that some of these poems have been in the work for four years. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that aspect
3: well uh i you know I used to think it was all inspiration. And now I understand that it's a really, it's revision where the real writing happens.
4: Mm. And I
3: did so much before I went into my MFA program. I had all this organic uh, work that I had done, but I needed to know what I was doing on the page. I wanted to be able to talk about it. I wanted to write academic papers. And I'm an intellectual as well as an artist. So I wanted to explain what I was doing. And in in revising this work, I revised this work sometimes up to 50 times. Wow. And I put the, yeah, I know. And it really comes down to every single word. And I was taught that poetry is a translation and every word is doing some, you know, three different things. So I put the poems on my walls and I would walk in and out to figure out the um, inner architecture of the work and how does it look on the page. So form and content, every word, every period, every comma in here was given immense thought. Um, So none of this happened quickly. This all was a lot of work. After my day job, obviously. <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> well, And, and what, I, what I love, too, besides besides hearing you talk about the, the craft of it, though, is that meticulous, exhaustive, but you talk about it so joyfully. So that is really well, wonderful for you to share with our listeners also.
3: It, it's a joy. And when I go out and I teach in the community and I talk about writing with younger people, I say, you need to learn to be a writer and you need to write quick because... Maybe your job involves 200 emails in a day, Mm. and you have to be able to do that without really laboring over it. You know, it should become instinctive. And I was listening to an old episode, and someone was talking about writing our own stories. And that's where I come from, the poetry is we need to tell our own stories. Otherwise, they'll be told for us, and it might not represent us in the best light or in the way we want to be remembered. So it's very personal to me.
1: Love it. Love it. No, that, that is yeah. potent. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. And so, so I'd love to hear some of your. Love for you to share some of your poems with our listeners if you're up for it okay. right now.
3: I am up for it. I'm going to start with Wheel Kids, which opens the collection. Uh, this was published on Cloud Throat by Jake Skeets, who uh, just won a really big award, but it's called Wheel Kids. Wheel Kids. Chocolate children raise down the cul-de-sac. Tight curls bounce. Jeans, t-shirts rise with air. Clenched fists tape bars, tan shoe brakes, no brakes, a shout, they cruise out of sight of the window, bikes, scooters, shake, quake, skinny kid arms, legs, torsos, skin, flattens, neighbors, straight arrows, shooting stars, flesh flies, bodies, grow wings. So I, I wrote that for the children in my neighborhood, and I would watch them ride down their bikes. And it reminded me of being a child, and I think of bikes and freedom and feminism and the ability to go wherever you want, and bikes do that. So that was a tribute to the children in my neighborhood.
1: And I love it, too, because exactly like you're saying, every every line is compact, and every image is so tight, and they build on each other. It's like a crescendo, but short.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can read a longer one. I love um, it. um, if it's okay with you? Sure. Okay, so this is our Arboretum. And my family's been in the uh, Midwest until the 1800s, which we don't show up on the census. So this poem goes into that and the uh, contributions of my familia. Arboretum framed Mexican bones, bodies who built railroads with broken backs, raw hands. An 1880 census conceals a carving hold in steel cars for light night air, hanging hammocks for sleeping wives to rock under galaxies. One woman rides the continent, follows her man from Zacatecas, rides astride her clacking motorbike, belly swings on a swing, sways on the rails until... Where they lived in boxcars until kids were grown, where postpartum was unknown and unbalanced women got sent back, where my grandma, her cousins, hid on the school hill to eat quesadillas. Neighbors claimed the old man rode with Villa when men in suits leap off skyscrapers in New York. Where my mom and Tia pretend not to speak English, teasing shopkeepers on the square. Where my dad ran cross-country to escape those fences, farm farmland, until he broke a mahogany streak on burnt clay tracks. Where my uncle strove through bullets in Vietnam, dragging his buddy to the helicopter. And grandmothers trade apples for pears, fingertips and ashy wrists, dig out change at the market, dola tortillas during meals, one hand on the open flame, one hand flutters, holds the blue house dress, where peony roots divide on their own, sparking an arboretum of sweet pink light, whose perfume carries itself uptown to the courthouse and drafts with garlic and chile. Where my sister came the day my grandfather was buried, water gushing graveside, and summers meant bolting between family houses, rhubarb sticks dipped in bone white sugar, Rope swing sideburns, treasure hunts in the gully. Why well, visit now, water their parched Easter lilies as they lie beneath the grass. Thank them for surviving Midwest winters, wars, and lynchings, for firewood splits, mole recipes, on parchment, for raising people who love so much it hurts to swallow, for lessons on how small karma, Women United overcome great sorrow, for sharing their worn red lipstick and rose hand lotion,
1: When I was a girl flowering. Beautiful. And I I want to talk more about that, but I do want to thank you for uh, giving us some copies to give away on the air. So we want to give those away right now. Uh, So callers six and seven. uh, You're going to get a copy of Andrew Trudell's book, Andrew Trudell Vasquez's book, In Light, Always Light, if you call 713. Five, two, six, five, seven, three, eight. I do want to leave time to get one more poem and I wanna say so much about that, but I love that you yeah. paired I love that you paired those two poems together because now you've got a whole you just shared a whole other approach. Uh, narrative, historical. Of course my hint they worked on the railroads.
0: And mm. that I I like when you said quesadilla and Villa, and like when your dad was like was running, like I can
3: actually picture that just like it just
1: Accessible, but deep line breaks and all these. It's so really potent stuff.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, sound is very important to me sound and image and color, and I create a spiral effect. Mm. And there's a joy for me of editing, and I really did go all out and use different highlighters for different sounds, consonants, and and vowels. I mean, I really am trying to create a magical effect. I'm trying to seduce you with these words and images and poems and, and create a feeling and a connection. I want people to feel. You
1: know. Oh, it works. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna resist talking more about the work. Close the side with one more poem, if you can.
3: Okay, sure. So um, I'm trying to think what would be a good thing to do. And and I will say my work is personal, but it's also very um, artistic in many ways. So I'm a big fan of uh, Arthur Z, who is a Chinese American poet. And this is called Space Time, and every line is a poem in here. One, we are magic dying. Pink peonies, gas type, ants assist open petals. No peony exists without ministrations of light. Brick wall and space between drives. A garden of red clay pots brightens balconies. All balconies lit with green light, caress eyes. Eyes, mystery, upset images transform in skull. How we got here is fought over in courtrooms. People pretend to be God, brandished fire sticks. Hands, tools, nails, weapons. A newborn is a garden of purple heirloom potatoes. An angel reads mine from her high chair babbles. Mother feeds child smashed orange skin sweet potatoes with tiny spoons. We are most vulnerable when we sit at the table with fork and knife, Two, Early rose light calls from window, jackrabbits bound, flight occurs on ground. Where are my crow friends? Hawk brown circle school bathes in blue light. Students descend stairs, fade into brilliance. Talks done, talk begins, both and scratches white paper, mind waxes as feathers. How do you begin to think mired and thought and self-doubt? Walk clears canvas, blank sheets beg, pull feet to mountain ascend.
1: Beautiful. We've been experiencing the work of Angie Trudel Vasquez and her new book, In Light, Always Light. Thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. Can you give out your website and social media platforms?
3: Well, website is in progress, but my if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Angela C. Trudeau Vasquez. Just put that C in there. Um, but I'm on Instagram, too, and I think that's A-C-T Vasquez. So I'm in the middle of a book tour now. Um, it's still pretty new for me, but I'll be. Uh, I'll be around in the Midwest and going to Minnesota uh, to talk to some students as well. So it's still happening. It's still all occurring.
1: Fantastic. And hopefully we can get you to Houston at some point in the future. We would love that. I would love
3: that. I would love that, yes. Thank Thank, you.
1: Thank you so much for for calling in, and we wish you continued success.
3: Thank you. Have a great evening.
1: You too. You are experiencing Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having their say. That is someone new in our familia. That was amazing. That was awesome. That was beautiful. Really that was, beautiful was.
3: work. I like when she said quesadilla. It just makes me hungry now. <laughs> and
1: ca- Eso. And, and I tell you what, this show Everybody really does fire tonight. me up. It just fires me up a lot. That's that's one of the main reasons I'd like people to have art, history, and culture in their lives. Because it just fires us. It fires me up.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, we need we are all creative beings, man. And being around other creative beings... And inviting other people into our space to celebrate them—that's that's intrinsic value, right there. You can't you you can't fake that. You can't find it anywhere else. It's with the real ones, you know. I agree. We got to close on that, Edmundo. That was beautiful,
3: um, Tony, hey. Tony. Before we leave, yes. Uh, congratulations to Miss Rashida Kyle. She's one of our winners. Congratulations, yeah. Messy so, beaucoup, Rashida. And she's Ryan. listening, and she was so excited to to win the book.
1: Love it. Happy yes, to bring so. that wonderful collection into your home. Please enjoy it. Hey, this is Tony Diaz Lee with
0: Tafikante saying ciao. ciao.
3: Ciao.
0: Ciao. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, KPFT is a daily check-in on the workings of democracy. Part of a democracy is an independent press and media. Media like this is supposed to be the check-in balance on government. And community radio is one of the few media outlets left that is completely independent. That's why, in this age of the greatest media consolidation America has ever seen, having different voices out there is essential. KPFT has been around since 1970, and we have survived the through the contributions of people like you. Listeners who donate to KPFT support us because they know that's what keeps KPFT independent. Why wait for a pledge drive? You can join KPFT online at KPFT.org. Thomas Jefferson said People cannot be both ignorant and free. Help keep KPFT vibrant with your financial contribution. Visit KPFT.org to join.